Shadow time. Noun. A parallel time scale that follows one around throughout day-to-day -day experience of regular time. Shadow time manifests as a feeling of living in two distinctly different temporal scales simultaneously. Or acute consciousness of the possibility that the near future will be drastically different than the present. How is it that just one hour difference can make me feel so jet-lagged for over a week? Or is something else making me so tired? Senate today approved a proposal to make daylight saving time permanent. U.S. Senate unanimously passed the Sunshine Protection Act. Americans would no longer have to set their clocks back an hour and lose afternoon daylight in the fall. Is it the dark? And the madness. Or am I just tired? So tired. All the studies show is that we get a higher level of anxiety, higher level of depression, higher level of cardiovascular incidents, more suicide risks, and more visits to the ER, and believe it or not, more car accidents during that time frame. Dude is super pumped up about the clocks. Weird waking up in the morning and it's completely pitch black. So tired. Guess people talking. People like to talk about this. Hmm. We would see this as a giant step forward for us because it helps people settle down and not have to adjust to the shift and it would also probably minimize a lot of the seasonal affective disorder as well. The sun wouldn't rise until after 8 a.m. No more of those 4.30 sunsets. Hmm. Whatever other people want is fine. Oh, that's whatever, nice whatever. of you. There's a lover in the story, but the story's still the same. 
There's a lullaby for suffering and a paradox to blame But it's written in the scriptures and it's not some idle claim You want it darker We kill the flame They're lining up the prisoners and the guards are taking aim I struggled with some demons, they were middle class and tame I didn't know I had permission to murder and to maim You want it darker Shadow Time on BFF.FM. I am Lily Sloan here to uh, shepherd you through the darkness. <laughs> oh, that feels really grandiose. I'm here to join you in the darkness. Um, I know I didn't really talk about it last week when it was super fresh, but uh, the time change still kind of with me I'm still feeling it a bit I think it's just weird and wonky it's not like oh I gained an hour I lost it's just like oh I feel weird and the darkness feels weird and I don't even hate the darkness I just yeah just it's just like a weird adjustment um curious how other people are feeling and I know some people who are really really impacted by it being so dark and 
in the afternoons and can definitely trigger some depression for people. So um, kind of exploring that idea and thinking about around this time last year, or not last year, I was during the elections in 2016, (laughs) actually not even close to last year. Um, I was traveling in Japan and I ended up making an episode of my podcast, A Therapist Walks Into a Bar, about um, sad music because it came up during my travels and it also happened to be when Leonard Cohen died. That was what you heard, Leonard Cohen, You Want It Darker. Um, Put that out just a couple of months before he died, actually, which I'm just obsessed with this idea of being able to make a final thing in my final year of life. Uh, it just seems like such a powerful way to go out. <clears throat> I'm thinking of Leonard Cohen. I'm thinking of David Bowie, and that was right around the same time. So I wanted to share the piece that I made for my podcast in this exploration of sad music and what purpose it might serve and what purpose kind of going into darker places might serve. And I wanted to play some music for you today that's... Um, of on the darker side I guess that's not unusual for the show it's like how do I differentiate that uh not much but there's songs I want to play for you that felt that called to me so I'm gonna play a couple more songs for you before jumping into that story here is two scenes by San Furman
sometimes It's just skin and bone Make it harder on ourselves Than it needs to be And I can't remember the last time That changed anything It's always been life or death to me And that's how it needs to be It's overwhelming sometimes When you're all alone Can't tell if you're floating Or falling out of place Like the astronaut calls A little dot a home Like he can tell from outer space Try to remember sometimes This is how it all proceeds And as you go Starts by being someone's lover. It's not easy. Oh, 
Christmas on the range Yeah, you're breathing hard in the pastures Not the luck, then what has to change? Persecution is your favorite word Burning cattle hangs on the westerly, sweeping up through the irons. Thank you. 
listening to Shadow Time on BFF.fm. I am Lily Sloan. That was Leonard Cohen with Who by Fire, which uh, I've had the, the late, uh, a recent cover of that in my backlog to play on the show. Mm, PJ Harvey did a version of that recently, which is the theme tune for Apple Plus's Bad Sisters, a show that I thought thoroughly enjoyed and highly recommend. And then when I was trying to decide what Leonard Cohen song to play here, I saw that title and I was like, oh, that's a cover. <laughs> Just going to be totally uh, honest about that. I don't know every single song by every single artist at all times. So, uh, but that, that was really delightful. And I love that version. I really love the PJ Harvey version as well, but the OG is pretty damn good. What if that's not even the original? What if that's an old folk song that I'm also misattributing to somebody else? Let me know if you know. I could also use the internet to find out. Before that was Happier When You're Gone by Alt-J from their most recent album, The Dream, and opened up with Two Scenes by San Furman from Jackrabbit. So now, without further ado, I'd like to play for you Very Dark, Very Appropriate from A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. I hope you enjoy these reflections on the necessity and usefulness and power of sad and dark music. Do what? But don't spill the I'm just recording us talking now. So it starts like this. I happen to be in Japan in a bar. Well, it's a sake tasting room at the hotel where I'm staying with a group of other travelers from around the world. Sadly, due to some logistical issues, our big karaoke dreams were dashed that night. Did you pick out a song? Come on, I want to hear it. Oh yeah, he started, started singing Red Hot Chili Peppers. Song, and then well, we yeah, you can out. continue. Okay. We are the girls from Red I don't know okay. the words what, what to it. That singing? one I needed. I can pull up the lyrics. Something that we know. No. Jingle bells. Freebird. You know jingle bells. Oh, jingle bells. Oh yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> we yeah. all know. <laughs> and as we're lamenting about it and talking about all the songs we might have sung. Take me out to the ball game. We get to the topic of Leonard Cohen. There's this Irishman in our group in his late 60s, delightfully dry-humored, and he has some opinions about Leonard. Why? Yeah. Uh, Why do you go in that one song? Is the only song. Yeah. I, I want to put my one. head in it. I want to slash my blades that's on my wrists and come up again. You got it. See, you got it. You got it. Hey, that's you're the best good. Music. And then I puked my ring up and I taught a better. <laughs> is this the guy we're talking about? Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> You nailed it. You nailed it. By the way, he is an incredible guy from the 60s of my time, and he definitely was the guy. He was the main man. Now, he would put you into your grave in tears, without question. So this got me thinking about why I love music that would put me in my grave in tears. You know what? I I just think it's appropriate. Yeah. Things are dark and sad. Why wouldn't you write that? dark and appropriate people. You know... Very dark. Very appropriate. And crazy thing, this conversation took place the very day Leonard Cohen died on November 7th. Though 
I didn't even see it in the news till a few days later. And this was also one day before the U.S. presidential election that left so many of us torn to pieces, grief-stricken, hopeless, scared, angry. Well, I probably don't need to tell you. I'm Lily Sloan, and this is A Therapist Walks Into a Bar, a podcast that brings therapy to you. In light of where we are right now as a country and the personal pain of longing or loss that many experience around the holidays, I want to talk about those darker feelings. So I brought in a friend and colleague of mine for a conversation about sad music. My name is Stacy McGurl. I'm a psychotherapist in San Francisco. Besides both being therapists, Stacy and I also have backgrounds in music, both making it and, of course, listening to it. We've often bonded over how we use sad music to help us work through difficult emotions. But even when we're talking about sadness, Stacy and I have way too much fun. <laughs> I'm obviously going to edit yeah. out all so of I'm the fun that we're having. You, yeah. Because this episode isn't about fun. So first, I asked Stacy the most obvious question. The question might be like, why would anyone want to feel sad? Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't we? If we're feeling down, just listen to cheery music. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or like have people make us laugh. Well, I guess we could say that by going in the opposite direction, it's a manic defense. You're going away from sad feelings, which is a bypassing of anything that's actually real and there for you. The grief or the sadness that you're feeling. So you're just skipping over it. Mm. And then what's the problem with skipping over it? Because skipping is fun, right? I love it. (laughs) Um, It's a really good question. I don't even know if we have the answer, but I can give like some of my ideas, which are just my subjective values. Yeah, what are your subjective values? Um, I would say I want to be able to feel all the things that are there for me. I don't want to kind of curate some image of what life is like for me that doesn't actually fit. So life includes all those difficult emotions as well. Tough as Texas and even prettier in It's just it's very real and human and it's part of our experience and it doesn't kind of make sense in the aim for wholeness to try to push it away. And Leonard's kind of an interesting example because He certainly didn't shy away from difficult feelings, but, you know, he seemed to have a lot of peace at the end of his life that is rare, I think, in our culture. What if I'm just manufacturing the sadness mm-hmm. by, by like, keep, what if I'm just keeping myself in sadness that isn't even mine or isn't even real? Yeah. Like, is that authentic? Because music is so powerful mm-hmm. to elicit emotion. Is it creating emotion or is it just tapping into what's already there? I think it might be both. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we can't, some people can kind of get really attached to their melancholy. And it would kind of be like what Freud was talking about in Mourning and Melancholy, where there's something you need to mourn, there's some loss or some sadness you need to feel. But instead of going through that, you kind of get stuck in the loop of feeling sad, um, which feels bad, but keeps you from actually having to mourn the loss. Yeah. Like when I was 22 and went through a breakup and how many times can you listen to Elliot Smith? Like, oh, so many. seriously, how many times? I don't know how many. Like so many. What is the number of times you can listen to Elliot to an Elliot Smith album <laughs> before you can't anymore? I think it might be like 600. I think we should test that Okay. right now. <laughs> so we were talking about various reasons we think sad music benefits us. And for one, there's how it's cathartic. It can help us release trapped feelings. And I've noticed that sometimes sadness is this feeling sling with inside that I'm trying to keep at bay. And this tension is building. So part of me wants to cry mm-hmm. and, and knows from experience that crying will feel good. Like it'll be a release and then I'll there'll be some relief afterwards. Um, But then something else, maybe it's fear or anger. It's like everything tightens up and it's difficult to cry. It's difficult to like let it flow. So I've come to recognize that particular feeling and it's like like a sneeze that won't come. Mm. And then I listen to the right song and suddenly... Boom. Mm-hmm. Tears are flowing. They're there. They're there. And I then I feel better afterwards. My therapist always tells me to just like, when I have that pent up feeling, just like lay on my bed and do nothing and just see what happens. Yeah. And inevitably something comes up. And if I'm listening to music at the same time, it definitely enhances that. How do you feel before the song? How do you feel during the song? And then what happens after? I would say before, I usually feel anxiety and sort of a distance from my own body and mind. I'm just kind of like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe anger as well, like irritability. Then while I'm listening to this song, I usually get really enveloped in the experience. So I'm in the song, I'm in, I'm kind of in fantasy, but I'm kind of in myself as well because it's my feelings projected out, mm. I kind of can get a little euphoric. It might be really sad, but I'm kind of like getting high on it. And then afterwards, I think I just like feel functional. Like, okay, I had my feelings. They're still there. And now I'm going to go to the grocery store. So instead of resisting our feelings, what about letting them just be and watching them unfold? Do you want to hear my nick? cave quote oh i can't wait sadness, sadness needs or duende needs space to breathe melancholy hates haste and floats in silence i feel sorry for sadness as we jump all over it denying it its voice and muscle it into the outer reaches no wonder sorrow doesn't smile much no wonder sadness is so sad
Sad music can help us feel safe to acknowledge what we're feeling because it creates a sense of not being all alone in it. That's a big part of it, too, is that mirroring that we can get. Like, oh, okay, it's not just my experience. Other people have had this in their lives. They felt this. They get me, Mm -hmm. even if it's someone I don't know. I, you know, I think I actually get a lot of pleasure from from sad music. Mm -hmm. Why is it pleasurable? Well, it it kind of comes back to that idea of not feeling alone, mm-hmm. of feeling connected to something bigger than just me, or feeling in that moment that I'm having a very uh, personal interaction with the artist mm-hmm. that they're speaking to me, and we're we're together. Maybe you can get a certain validation of your feelings through it, and it quiets down your inner critic. Yes. That maybe says you shouldn't be feeling this way. You should you should have been over this three days ago or three years ago. Yeah. But when I'm listening to the entire Bjork homogenic album, <laughs> I feel like it's okay that I'm a little bit crazy. Because Bjork is and she's awesome. Yeah. Bjork says it's normal and okay for me to be feeling these things. And every single word she's saying resonates. And she believes in fairies. Well, that's okay, too, because Bjork says so. (laughs) So let's say you don't like sad music. I am amazed you made it this far into the episode. Thank you. Um, But we talked about that, too. How do we include the people who don't like feeling sad, don't like sad music, don't like sad art, think it's annoying and depressing? Like, I think it's interesting to wonder about that more like what happens for you internally when you interact with art that brings up sad feelings like to kind of explore that experience a little more like what's in there Mm -hmm. so it's true I mean I I think I I kind of have a bias towards sad art um because it resonates with me right and I don't think that's necessarily because I'm a particularly sad person you think it's just human I think that music being a tool of connection and of feeling uh, our feelings and processing things internally is human. And I, th- I think Oliver Sacks has, has written about mm-hmm. that a lot and different, you know, this has definitely been researched. And, and I, I really do believe in the power of music as a kind of universal. A, yeah. s- a study that we looked up that we'll link shows that listening to sad music actually helps people grieve and get through their grief process, but only if you already like that type of music. Right. So I can't be like, hey, person who's grieving, now's the time to start listening to Elliot Smith. Right. <laughs> if they didn't like Elliot no, Smith. No, no, They just want to listen to Beyonce. Well, maybe Beyonce helps them with their grief process. What feels like a sad song to one person is different for somebody else. Yeah. Because there are different elements to a song that can make it sad there's the key that it's in and and often you know minor chords and Mm -hmm. if you don't know what a minor chord it's the sad chords (laughs) see (laughs) universal universal it's the dark chords but then there's also the lyrics and the way that the singer is singing the kind of emotion that they're putting through and what they're singing you know you could hear somebody sing for instance cat power Mm-hmm. Singing Sea of Love. Mm-hmm. That is sad, uh-huh. but that's not a sad song. 
particularly. That's a love song. That's just a nice love song. But aren't all love songs laced with sadness and longing? I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to add that beyond the actual elements of the song itself, the relationship you have to the music is really important. Like maybe something about this peppy dance beat reminds you of your ex. Or you hear Bobby McFerrin singing Don't Worry, Be Happy, and you start missing your dad because he used to sing it to you as a kid. Maybe it feels really sad, or maybe it's kind of bittersweet. And then our relationship to music and sadness is cultural. Like when I think of what music really moves me and I take a step back from it, I'm like, whoa, lots of white emo kids in this lineup. So I imagine there's a particular way of processing grief that shows up in my culture and subculture that would be different, for instance, for how an African-American might deal with certain feelings through art, depending on their intersection between personal and cultural experiences. While the power of music as a whole might be universal, there is great diversity in how we experience different music. What's a song that a lot of people like that's sad that you find really annoying? Amazing Grace. <laughs> Makes me fucking livid. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I guess this, it's, it's very much the idea of like humanity has fallen and you need to be saved and um, kind of like we're wretched and unloved to begin with and then we have to like find this love that will make everything better it's interesting because hallelujah it's like a counter to amazing grace Mm. in a way when i think about the words and just then the structure of the song right relates but it it feels more real and and more like accepting of our humanness yeah it's about humans it's about people on earth living their lives right with each other hurting each other helping each other yeah. Feeling pain, feeling joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we try to make a sad song? Yeah. Okay. Sad, sad song. Stacy and I did actually make a song. What are your favorite sad chords? A minor, E minor, D minor. And I'm going to play it for you in a minute. But first, a few quick words. This episode features original music from My Side Project, Richard Marchant, and me. The Nick Cave audio you heard is from a lecture he gave in Vienna in 1999 called The Secret Life of the Love Song. Thank you, Stacy McGurl, my traveling buddies in Japan, Leonard Cohen, and countless others whose music has held me and doused me in holy, holy tears. Okay, get your tissues. friend was eaten by a bear I felt so sad I wasn't even there if only I could bring him back we could play with my hacky sack he is lovely he is cooler than you Every 
very dark, very appropriate from um, uh, A Therapist Walks Into a Bar, the podcast I used to make, which you can find in all the podcast places still. And I have also provided links to the people and music and referenced things from that in the show notes for today's broadcast. If you would like to check any of that out, including including a link to that song so you can download. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop saying uh, eventually, but I just need to get it all out of my system. I'd like to just play some more music for you. Here is Nick Cave with Push the Sky Away. I was right and I was right Oh The sun, the sun, the sun Was rising from the field
You're listening to Shadow Time on BFF.fm. I'm Lily Sloan, coming right towards the end of the show. Show, I guess, kind of meant to explore darkness, reflect on darkness, be with darkness. Um, however you'd like to interpret that. That was Dawn Chorus by Tom York from Anima. And before that was Push the Sky Away by Nick Cave and the Bad Seas from Push the Sky Away. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sitting with feelings. That's not everybody's jam, but it's something that we do here. Next week will be a rerun. And as always, all shadow times are in the archives at bff.fm slash shows slash shadow time. There are now, including this, 25 hours of sitting with the feelings just for you. Take a bath, light a candle, put it on, just melt into it. I've heard it's nice. I'm going to end the show uh, with one from... Kate LeBon called Sad Nudes and this is from her 2019 album Reward I think that actually might cause the show to end a little early but that's okay we're just rolling with it here's Kate LeBon
comes the news Sir